Say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, welcome in, everybody, on this Monday, on this President's Day. Shout out, uh, Presidents, I guess. As we uh, work our way into the week, coming off a uh, rough weekend for the Orange uh, men's basketball team. Didn't, uh, Didn't go well. Did not go well. What part of the game went well? None of it. Did not go well on uh, Saturday inside the Dome. Yes, the question going forward is uh, what now? What effect will that have on the Orange team? They haven't really absorbed that many like that. Even in the losses, they've been generally nip and tuck besides the Virginia Tech game, so that certainly stands out. We'll get into that. We expect to be joined by Red Autry, as we are on Mondays, coming up at uh, 2.30 on uh, the show today. It is Monday, and that means we talk to Red here for the next uh, few weeks, as long as we're rolling along here with the hoop season. So always enjoy our Monday uh, chats. That will be coming up in about a half an hour from now. Uh, I imagine this part of my conversation with our, our guest later in the program at uh, 3.30 today with Joe Lenardi will uh, be short. The uh, Well, really short. Hey, Syracuse in the tournament. Uh, no. We'll ask Joe a multiple, not many Q's questions, just because we don't want to drive him completely loony like Syracuse normally does uh, this time of year. It seemed to be his personal uh, demon child there for much of the last half decade or so was uh, the orange and the bubble and the bracketology. But like, does Syracuse have any chance of making the tournament that does not involve winning the ACC tournament? Like any at all. And uh, maybe small, but maybe not. We'll find that out uh, from Joe. I And, you know, I think the Syracuse part of our conversation today will be short because the Orange aren't even on the, the bubble of the bubble of the bubble of the bubble right now. And Joe specializes in just the bubble and maybe the bubble of the bubble, not seven bubbles down the line. He doesn't need to pay attention to that. But uh, I'm curious into getting into with him today, and uh, nice of him to uh, join us on the program today, The the idea of... And this year it's the ACC. But the idea of these major conferences, especially now in the era of NIL, transfer portal, lots of roster movement, roster management, teams changing, all this stuff. I'm curious of, of talking to a guy that you know makes his living in the world of the brackets of looking at the numbers. And I'm not saying Joe is doing anything wrong. He's looking at the system, giving it to him, and applying it. But I, I'm intrigued by the idea of Joe, like, all right, like you're looking at that, where where are we on that? As far as is it the right thing? Like, are we looking at the right things? Has the world changed enough that the metrics that uh, Joe needs to use to come up with the brackets, and AKA that the NCAA uses to come up to the brackets, are they the right thing? I mean, you look at the league right now, and you see not that Pittsburgh's on the bubble, but Pittsburgh's twelve and four, and it's not like they're. A highly seeded team right now. They're twelve and four in the ACC, and um, not exactly they're a nine seed at the last check in Lenardi's bracketology from prior to the weekend. Like teams like Clemson, not in the tournament, 
right now. Not even in the tournament, much less Carolina. Clemson's 11-5 and in the ACC. They're 19-8. and Yeah, not good enough. So I, I'd be intrigued to hear from a guy like uh, Joe the, uh, the idea of, all right, and I'm not saying he's wrong based on the current metrics. Well, if the current metrics are telling us that, are we using the right metrics? So I'm intrigued to see what a guy that, you know, does this uh, for a living uh, has to say about that. We'll talk to Joe in about an hour and a half from now on uh, the show. So Red and Joe Lenardi are our two guests today getting a, a little college hoops to kick our uh, week off. We wish we were kicking it off with the better news about the Arch basketball team. There is no new news, which means the news uh, remains that Syracuse got smoked by Duke on Saturday, 77-55. to 55. And the Arch never really in the game. Like, technically, they were in the game for the first 10 minutes or so, but they weren't doing anything offensively at that point that gave hope. And then Duke hit shots late in the first half, and the Orange never really got back in. It got it down to nine once, but I'd say less so maybe than the Virginia game where the Orange made the the comeback on the road, sort of. Like, did you ever really feel Syracuse was in the game in the second half? No. And... For me, it was dispiriting in in a number of reasons. It's explainable and dispiriting, and both can be true. That Syracuse had been playing well. Win or lose recently, the Orange had been playing, for the most part, pretty well. We keep talking about the trio of close losses in the ACC. Virginia, Carolina, Miami. And the Carolina loss is becoming uh, less and less of a good loss. But, you know, let's just say Carolina, in theory, is a good team. That theory is not proving out so much at the moment, but in theory is a good team. Virginia and Miami are in actuality good teams. And the Orange had those three games all for the taking down the stretch and couldn't get them. But you came out of those games, the, the lament was not that Syracuse didn't play better. The lament was that they didn't win. That was it. Like, man, they played well. They Oh, they should have, could have, or could have, should have, depending on the day, won the game. Man, how'd they not win the game? That was the lament. The only game really in ACC play, maybe there's two, that you say, man, Syracuse just didn't play well before this Duke game. I mean, the, the road game at Virginia Tech, you just get smoked. The road game at Virginia, you made a comeback in the second half, but that was a weird game. Like, you were down huge. You're never going to win the game. But besides that, like the rest of the schedule, you know, it was all fair fights. It was all, oh, man, that's a good game. Like, if you can remove yourself from the, the fan side of it a bit, you look at it and say, man, that was a good game. Stinks they didn't win it. Or if you can remove even further, man, that's a, a good game. <laughs> the other team certainly made some plays down the stretch. That is not what happened on Saturday, and I think that's what stands out to me looking at it, that the Orange, you know, they dug themselves a hole this year. And as reality continues to set in, the hole is more likely than not going to be too big. Because it was a deep one. Those three close losses. Bryant, Colgate. We don't we know the story. But I went into Saturday, like we all we all get Duke. They've not been Duke this year, but they're still good. They still have highly rated recruits. Maybe not like some years, but it's not like they're schlubs. They still have the four highest ranked freshmen in the ACC. It's not like some of these other years. Like it's not like the year they had the guy that dropped fifty five in the all star game last night. With Tatum, it's not like the years they had Zion and R.J. Barrett. It's not like, you know, the years they had the all other all-star starter and Kyrie. It's it's not like those years. Or, you know, first year of the ACC when Jabari Parker was here. Man, I, I realized Jabari didn't work out at the 
pro level the way I, I think a lot of people would have thought. But man, like in college, Jabari was a feared player. Like these guys, they're good. They're, they're it's a very it's a good Duke team, but it's not a Duke team that strikes fear in the heart like some of the other Duke teams did. So you do that, you look at the way Syracuse has been playing, you look at coming off the NC State loss, you say, man, I think Syracuse can win this game, or should. Like, this is a good game. Fair fight, good game. So to get smacked is the part that, that stings. More than losing. Because, you know, you go into the game like that. Fair fight, good game means fair fight. means you can lose. I didn't think Syracuse was an overwhelming favorite by any means, but I thought they had, like, why why not win? Well, we, we saw on Saturday, why not win? The size bothered Jesse in a way that he's not been bothered by that all season. Now, Duke has multiple of those guys with Lively and Filipowski and just dudes, big dudes. But he took three shots? It bothered him to the level that he could only get off three shots? Like, we haven't seen a game like that in since when? This year? This season? Not to that level. It just didn't occur to me that that was in the realm of possibility. Like, could he get outplayed by these dudes? These highly ranked, highly recruited dudes? Yeah, of course. Did I think it would happen like that? No. And then you talk about the extraneous factors. And and Jesse and Judah got theirs. I mean, not Jesse and Judah. Joe and Judah got theirs. And I, I think what we... It got really hammered home on, on Saturday this. That, yeah, the Orange have a big three, but it is different than some other years. The Orange not, don't just have a big three. They And they don't just need their big three. It is an absolute. Like, the Orange cannot win a legitimate big game without all three of them producing at close to their maximum level. Like, and that's what we've seen of late in these games. The Orange are playing well. NC State, I, I realize it's more toward the bottom of the league with, with Florida State uh, before that and some of those other games down to the bottom of the league. But we saw all three of those guys delivering. Well, final box score, two of the three, at least scoring, delivered on Saturday, and Jesse did not. It's not to pick on Jesse, but he just happened to be the one this time. You know, it could have been any of the other two. But the Orange need all three to win a game like that. And they don't have options on the bench for them. Now, there are multiple options at those forward spots, and we know the warts on all of them, but between Bell and Malik and Taylor and Benny, you hope you'll at least get something out of one of those guys. And eh, the Orange didn't really out of any on Saturday. Malik was okay, 6-8. and eight. He was fine. None of the small forwards did anything at all. I mean, literally, Taylor and Bell didn't score. Benny did a little at small forward. Torrance played a little. But I, I think we saw it more definitively in a loss on Saturday than any of these recent wins. Like, we know exactly what Syracuse is. And this will get applied in spades this week. And I don't know which way yet, but it will be applied in spades. At Clemson on Wednesday, at Pittsburgh on Saturday. Like, you're not going to have a chance if you're Syracuse if those three don't play well. Joe Judy Jessa, Joe Judah Jesse. If those three don't play well, and if you're not getting at least something from somebody that has an F next to their name as far as position goes. It's simple. It's maybe not simple to do, but it's simple to understand if it's working or not. 
Like, because the Orange don't have alternate means of victory this year. In other years, they've had multiple ways they can accomplish it. Now, it's is it unfair to compare this to the best teams that Syracuse has had? Uh, yes. But, compare we shall. Like, look back at the title team. They played eight, for the most part. But, if you needed to change what you were doing, all right, let's put McNeil in for fourth at center. Let's kick up the tempo. Let's press a little bit. All right, one sub. You've changed what you're doing. Hey, we need a little, uh, we need a little uh, way to get to the rim. We need somebody that's a little crafty on the bounce and pretty good defensively. All right, let's get Josh Pace in there. That'll change it up. Oh, we need a little more ball handling in there. All right, let's put Edelin in for Queth. Like, the, the changes off the bench on that year's team, you know, the national championship game. Again, unfair comparisons. But the changes on that year's team, like, changed the way you were able to play. Like, if one thing wasn't working, you had other gears you could use. Like, I always say the uh, 2010 team was the deepest seven-man rotation I've ever seen because somehow with seven, everybody had a backup. Like, okay, well, let's bring in Scoop here at the guard. Well, you could replace either Trisha Routens and it did something completely different. Or you bring in Chris Joseph off the bench, and uh, depending on who you took out, be it Wes or Rick Jackson, you're doing something completely different. Or you're going big or you're not. Like, one little sub, it changed how you were playing. This year, you're still playing your seven or eight, basically. But no matter what you do, and we've seen the press work to some extent, but no matter what you do, you're still basically doing the same thing. Because you need those three to do what they do, and then somebody else, anybody else to do something. There's not a way to, you know, there's not a way to really attack it from a different angle. And uh, that, I think, we found out on Saturday. Like, when Syracuse's angle doesn't work, oh boy, it really doesn't work. The couple of things I talked about on last Friday, and boy, did it play out. Said, all right, Duke's a really good rebounding team. They are statistically the best rebounding team in the league by margin. If, I'm not saying Syracuse needs to out-rebound it, man, if they can just keep it close. Got completely hammered on the glass. Hammered. And then, there, you know, no matter what sub you made or what you did, there was no way to stop it from happening, at least on Saturday. And my other thought was, and I, I wasn't mad that Duke was shooting a lot of threes. You would have preferred them to be slightly more guarded. I don't think that's a zone issue. I think that was just, like, idea of the zone. I, I think that was more of the execution of the zone on Saturday. You would like to, some contest to be better. But that was essentially the best three-point shooting game that Duke has had all season. It's the second most threes they made. They shot it. They've been making one-third of their threes on the season. They made one-half of their threes on Saturday. One-third to one-half. Like, if they had made, and again, is it going to change the game? Well, maybe. Like, it's not completely affecting the margin, but if they'd made their normal percentage on those shots, they would have made... What would it be? Five or six fewer threes in the game. Well, that's 15 to 18 points in what was a 22-point game. So, yeah, it could have changed things. Now, again, a lot of that's on Syracuse. You can't give them just wide, wide open ones. But Duke shot it in a way they've not shot it before. Like, And when those two things happen, when Duke is doing things that they don't normally do, and you are not doing the things you normally do, the equation to get to where you want to be no longer exists. No longer exists. Now, if you play again, is Duke going to make that many threes? I doubt it. But who knows? Hey, if Duke starts shooting like that, all, all of a sudden they got a real team. Like, I didn't come out of that game saying, wow, 
Menards just lost to a Sweet 16 Final Four kind of team. I just didn't feel that. At least, and again, unfair to Duke, maybe. It's hard to be unfair to Duke. But when you're looking at Duke, it's the same thing we do with Syracuse. When you're looking at Duke, you're comparing them to all the other Duke teams. And that means you're comparing them to Final Four and championship-type teams. Saying, well, yeah, their big guys were pretty good. They're not Jaleel Okafor. It's not that team. Yeah, if this Filipowski guy is pretty good. Yeah, he's not Zion. Yeah. Hey, that Derek Whitehead guy, he shot the ball a little bit the other day. Why well, is not J.J. Redick? Victims of their own success, and it's the same thing we've talked about all year for the Arch. But Syracuse found out in a big way Saturday that, man, whether you want to change or not, they may not have another gear this year. They need the gear they got to work. And boy, did it not on Saturday. All right, coming up on the show, Joel Lenardi will be with us in the next hour. Adrian Autry, Red, will be with us in right around 13 minutes. That is the plan today. We'll hear a little bit from a Jim Beheim over the weekend. His post-game comments when we come back. I'll talk a little Q's hoops today. We'll get into a little lacrosse weekend, some of that stuff. Some Giants news out there. We might get into more tomorrow on the program with uh, Jordan Renan from ESPN, but we'll hit that today if we have some time as well as the free agency season is beginning to begin to begin this week. That's like being on the bubble of the bubble of the bubble. Same deal. Take a break. Much more to come here on this Monday in the Q's, in Utica, in Rome, and wherever you want to be on QSportsTalk.com. We're back after this. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Cy? Let's look at this thing from a, uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. That goes back. Can't go forward. What am I gonna do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. Okay, what have we done? What have we done today on this President's Day? Name a president, James K. Polk. We have talked about the basketball game. The Orange did not play well in the most recent basketball game, and therefore, they lost it. Then we talked to Red about that. Then we learned, or while we were talking to Red, we learned that Syracuse, the basketball team, head coached by one Jim Beheim, has now a recruit for next year. That's coming to school next year. He's the first officially in that category. His name is William Patterson. He plays his high school ball in New Jersey. Not in Patterson, New Jersey, but in New Jersey. He's from uh, Brooklyn. He's playing at, uh, what's the name of the school? The Patrick School. That sounds uh, that sounds snazzy. The when it, when a school starts with the, you know you got something. So he's uh, playing at the Patrick School. I think he was. I'm assuming that's a private school in Jersey. Uh, that's based on nothing. I'm doing a lot of assuming here with a guy I hadn't heard of a half an hour ago. It is all speculation. 
That is all we're doing here. Rampant speculation. The Patrick School is an independent private co-educational four-year high school in Hillside in Union County, New Jersey. Yeah, it starts with the. That makes it a private school. Uh, so he's at a private school, 7-2, skinny guy. Uh, just uh, Mike McAllister's been all over this. He's got articles on articles on it already. Check out his stuff at SI. Um, I'm sure one of us will talk to Mike at some point uh, this week. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Maybe Brent will talk to him today. I don't know. Someone will talk to Mike sometime this week. I promise you. We'll talk about this guy. 7-2, skinny. Uh, his AAU coach in one of Mike's articles. My, again, like nobody's got more stuff on this stuff than Mike. I don't know anything about this kid. I trust Mike to know something about this kid. That's how I work about it. Uh, that basically he needs to get on campus and start eating. Man, you're 7-2. Like if you're just like a seven-two kid at home, it's hard to keep enough food in the house to make a seven-two, like seventeen-year-old large. Like I can't even comprehend at the price of eggs these days. How are you going to feed this kid, man? Yeah, food's part of that scally. Yeah, get here early and start start slamming it down. Breakfast, two omelets, please. So it sounds like he's a bit of a project, but. If you're going to have a project, you might as well start with a project being seven feet, two inches tall with a seven, six wingspan. Like as far as project starting spots, I've seen projects start in worse places before. And isn't it interesting that, you know, in this age of college basketball, and this is not to say, well, William Patterson's transferring after next year. Like there is still room for the project, right? Like not everyone is ready made. Lots of people think they are. And we'll see what happens after this season. The six freshmen here, I'm sure not all of them, you know, got the minutes they hoped or the experience they wanted or, or who knows. I don't know. We'll see who it's the portal or who doesn't come the end of this season. But a guy like this William Patterson, like he is guaranteed to be a project. Like he, he ain't walking through the door and starting at center in the fall. Like knock me over with a feather if that's the case. And again... I know nothing at all about this guy. I've never seen him play basketball before, and I don't think I need to to come to that conclusion. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. You've got 13 scholarships to work with. Not everybody, oh, I didn't play my freshman year, bye-bye. So let's see. I mean, think back to Pascal Chukwu. He was, you know, in college five years when all said and done. He was 7-2. He, my goodness, was a project. But, when you got to the end of the line, when you got to Pascal's last year, and you looked at the project, you'd say, oh, well, we had a project, and I, I think we uh, we did this project pretty good. We submitted the project and got an A. Good for us. So just because the idea of the project, the idea of somebody sticking around school and getting better over time now doesn't fit necessarily in the current world of major level, big time college basketball, NIL, transfer portal, the whole thing. Doesn't mean there isn't still a spot for it. Because why not? I mean, not everybody's ready made. Now, the hope is now, when you bring in a guy like that, that if you're going to invest in the time to go to work on the project, that you then also get to reap the rewards if the project does work out. Like Say, say with a guy like this, that... All right, like more like whether he red shirts or not next year, I don't know. But, it, you know, let's just assume not significant contribution and maybe year two. I don't know. Like maybe you're not getting anything serious out of this guy. Say he turns into something eventually. 
Well, we're in 2023, so you're not really getting anything like reasonable out of this guy until 2025. Well, now, now you need buy-in from both parties. Okay, well, now I'm good. Well, now now you need to stay, too. So, like, that's where the buy-in from all parties. Well, we've worked on the project. Well, don't leave now. So we'll see on something like that. But they aren't to have their first uh, official recruit in uh, next year's class. Did Red wink at me? I couldn't tell. I asked Red to wink if they got a recruit. I'm going to go with yes. It's hard to tell. I think maybe he winked. Or smiled or something. Gave the gave the nod. Alan Griffin, lead recruiter on uh, this guy. Makes sense. Alan's in charge of the centers right now. So uh, the orange, you know, is the world falling? Oh, God, 22-point loss. Well, didn't dissuade this kid. 22-point loss. It's all gone to hell. Cancel the program. Call up the recruits. Tell them to go somewhere else. Yeah, this is not a five-star guy. It's not that, but you got a guy after, after you know, a tough loss a couple days ago. So that should uh, that should help out the general mood about the facility on uh, this Monday, where they're getting back to practice. As Red said, uh, day off yesterday, practice today, practice tomorrow, travel to South Carolina, uh, stay in a hotel that's absolutely nowhere near the freaking game. Hey, Clemson, you got a lot of land. I'm just spitballing here you got a lot of land down there there is room like if no one's gonna plop a hotel can like the university build a hotel somewhere near the freaking campus just spitballing here maybe a maybe a landing strip for an airplane too so the whole thing's not an hour not an hour away just tossing it out there clemson just saying just saying but a little good news for the basketball team before they get set to go on the road this week. It is Clemson on Wednesday. It is Pittsburgh on Saturday. They are both on the road. Those are two very difficult games. Those are two very difficult games. I don't know what's going on with Clemson right now. Beat Florida State by 40. Lose to Louisville. That's your week. What? You played two of the shortlist worst teams in the league and you beat one by 40 and you lost to the other one? Oh, boy. But I guess Clemson's not going to be in the best of moods come Wednesday night after losing to Louisville. You don't want to join a club that only has Georgia Tech in it. That's not a good club. That is a bad invitation-only club to be a part of. So we'll see what they're doing. P.J. Hall v. Jesse Edwards on Wednesday night. P.J.'s a big dude now. All right, how's Jesse going to bounce back? How's Jesse going to bounce back? We'll talk to Tim Beret of the Clemson Radio Broadcast coming up at the show on Wednesday. We'll ask him about P.J.'s season Brad Brownell, hot seat, I'd presume no more. Bubble, though. Clemson, like you look at their record. They've got 19 wins. They're in the ACC. Right now, Bracketology says, yeah, that's great. We've seen better. That's Joel Lenardi about that coming up at 3.30 uh, today. We'll take a break now. When we come back, the 4-1-1 in the 3-1-5. Tim Leonard will pop in. Uh, Tim's had a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. He's been here, there, and everywhere else. We'll talk about, you know, all the locations he was in and then the stuff that happened uh, while he was there. Maybe some other stuff. I don't know. We'll do that when we come back. Joel Lenardi at 3.30. Roll along here on the 315 on this Monday afternoon. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. 
All right, rolling along here on the program. We're doing the we're doing the Lord's work during the break. We're trying to nickname William Patterson. Will, Bill, Willie, Billy. Does he already have one? Again, we don't know anything about this guy. We're gonna we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna make this happen by the start of next season. We're giving ourselves a very very long runway uh, to make this happen. A longer runway than uh, resides anywhere near Clemson, South Carolina. That is uh, neither here nor there. Tim Leonard is here with that. Let's uh, that's the place he's been this year, not this week, but this year. Let's get into the four one one here in the three one five. Here's the four one one. Hello and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one. <laughs> oh wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. In the three one five. And so you're going to be doing that all week, right? Nah. It's time for the 411 in the 315. All right, so Tim is here. Just to clear some of this stuff up here, um, I, I did ask Red to give like a thumbs up or something. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm told by you and others that he did give the thumbs up. He, he gave a thumbs up and a smile. All right, I, I think, think that's within NCAA regulations. Yes, yes, he didn't violate anything, but I think he confirmed what no. we all know he was trying to confirm, can't, for sure. Can't say anybody's name out loud until they've signed the piece of paper, but you can give the thumbs up. And Jason in the chat is telling us that our Will, Bill, Willie, uh, William, Billy, Patterson... Apparently, he goes by Will. Okay. So we solved it already. Well, that Can we was, talk him that, into Billy? That was supposed to take longer than two minutes. Oh, what man. are we going to do all summer? Oh, crap. We had planned out months of programming based on this. So you take that back, Jason. We don't want to know that. All right. Uh, Tim, Tim's uh, been everywhere. You've been. Where have you been? You were in the Dome the other day. That was a big win for the Orange women's basketball team on uh, Sunday. Um, Maryland's still good at lacrosse. I think yes. we found out on... Uh, Saturday, and uh, where were you before that? Tallahassee for uh, Florida State is uh, decent at women's basketball. So um, I don't know what order you want to hit this in, Tim, but uh, you were in a lot of places the last few days. Let's start with men's lacrosse. So you say Maryland is very good, right? I've just got a bone to pick overall with the inside lacrosse media poll. Hey, you're in the right place for bones to pick. Let's go. Yes, and I'm sure... I'm not the only one that's upset with the... It's every year, I feel like, these media polls with inside lacrosse, and maybe it's not inside lacrosse's fault, of course. It's the people that vote on it. But why is Maryland the number nine team in the country? And they stayed number nine after beating Syracuse. I have several questions. Johns Hopkins is still ahead of Syracuse. They're at 16. The Orange stayed at... No, they fell one spot from 18 to 19 after losing, Mm -hmm. which I think is fair. But if you're going to put Loyola up to six, who beat Maryland, and then also beat Johns Hopkins then why is Maryland still the ninth team in the poll? Well, I, I, I don't vote in that poll currently, but I did vote in it for many years. And I, you mentioned a lot of teams from the Baltimore area. Yes. That's one reason. <laughs> there's a lot of voters in that poll from the Baltimore Like, reason one is there's a lot of voters from the Baltimore area. So my votes over the year, and this is why people, we like the polls, don't trust the polls. <laughs> As a voter in a lot of this crap, I'm going to tell you how it happens. Um... I, I often did my vote. I tried to do such crazy things the other way to balance it out. It, it, it never worked. I also started doing like wildly different things week to week because like, why do I got to move somebody up one or down one? Because uh, no, I think they're good again. Like Maryland's, Maryland is clearly better than the ninth best team in the country. Clearly they're, if you're picking national title contenders right now, yeah. they're in a group of four or five, yeah. in my opinion. They're probably still like, 
I might now. Th- this is how I'd, I might also still vote him ahead of Loyola, and they got crushed by Loyola. Yeah, well, their goalie was playing on a torn ACL. Right, but, and maybe that's part of why they consider him. I mean, they don't have their All American goalie for the rest of the season. Yeah, Teddy Dolan looked like a clear step down. Like he's fine. Yeah, he he had half the saves that Will Mark had. I mean, that's when you talk about why did Syracuse lose to Maryland. Every stat except for saves was in favor of Maryland. Ground balls, a huge edge. It was mm-hmm. something like plus 19 It was on a ground large balls. number, yeah. yeah. And ground balls and face-offs, and that's where you stop the conversation. You're not going to win a game on the road against Maryland and be down 19 or whatever it was in ground balls and win 7 of 33 face-offs. Yeah, I think it was literally 3 nothing before the Orange had the ball. Yeah, like, even right. once. Uh, that will mark's pretty good, huh? Yes, and that's a big takeaway, I think, to the first four games. I was looking this morning, six right now in save percentage in the nation. Wow. He's third in just saves total, which the Orange have played four games. But in the entire country, I think he's playing at an all-American goalie level right now. And that was a question mark going in. Now, the offense is still young, and I think they still made some mistakes against an incredibly good Maryland defense. So there's things to figure out on that end, but... It's a big upgrade in terms of goalie from what Syracuse had last year to what they have this year. Yeah, it was uh, it was a struggle in the cage uh, last year, regardless of who was uh, playing, be it Thompson or Gavin. And even two years ago, I loved, loved Drake Porter, but his senior season, I don't know how much was his fault, but compared to his first two years, was not up to uh, his own standards. So the last couple of years has been a, a struggle in net uh, for the Orange. So yeah, we'll see where it goes. The, the schedule, my goodness. Yes. Car- Carolina this week, they just lost to Ohio State and – what else is coming up? Duke and Hopkins? Is that, so, is that yeah, the next go, three? Yeah, UNC, Duke, Hopkins. All three at home. That's But good. that's number 12, UNC, number 14, Duke, number 16, Johns Hopkins, who should not be number 16. They went from unranked to sixth and lost two games, and somehow they're still ranked. I I just don't understand how you can put them ahead of Syracuse at this point. But. Uh, yes, the, uh, the team that has made the least amount of sense in the history of the poll ever since Hopkins got less good. Is Johns Hopkins? Yeah, They're, they were always like ranked like they're three and six. They're, what are they? Seventeen? What are you talking about? No, Hopkins has not been good. They got one decent win. I don't know how good they are. We'll see. Now that's obviously the Mike Powell Jersey retirement day, so that will be a good deal of fun uh, coming up in a few weeks. All right, women's soups. Where are we at? I'm trying to reload. I'm trying to see if Charlie Cream has done anything since I clicked on no, it earlier today. I Come on, looking, Charlie. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised he hasn't been. I thought he would go Monday, Friday by this point in terms of updates to the bracketology. We got to be closing in on the everyday. Yes, for sure. But here's my thinking on the situation with women's soups. You beat Miami. That was a big win. Probably a win that you needed to have. They are locked in now to the 8-9 game in the ACC tournament. You have one more game of the regular season. It's Thursday on the road against a Pittsburgh team. They're 100th in the net ranking. So that's a quad two road game. But it's a game you just have to win. Yeah. I think that we can all agree on that. So let's say you win that game. You finish the year 599 in a very good ACC, which has been really wonky this year on the women's side. It's hard to make sense of who's the better teams and there's just not as much of a drop-off from number one team to number five, number six as previous years for sure. But if you go into that 8-9 game, which is looking like it'll be NC State okay. as the eight seed, I think that's pretty much a play-in game for the tournament. If you lose, you're probably out. If you win, and it's funny because NC State is that game earlier in the year. If you were to say, what's one game you want back? Mm-hmm. It's probably that game because they lost by two. They were up eight going into the fourth quarter. 
So that's the game that you're sitting here thinking, man, if we had just won that NC State game and we had that on our resume, we'd probably already be in the projective field. But you'll get a chance to likely play them on a neutral site. It looks like it's going to be NC State as the eighth seed. Yeah, Charlie's last bracketology was before Sunday. Uh, Syracuse was a third out from the bracket. They're in the first four out. Uh, beat a Miami team. That's a solid team. I think they're in the bracket, right? Yeah, they're the nine seed. Okay, so like that. that that's a that's a nice win. It's not like a game changer, but it's a nice win. And uh, on top of it all, uh, the game you're playing uh, next Thursday is at 2 o'clock. So I can just kick back in the chair at 2 o'clock next Thursday. <laughs> right. so there we are. That's how that's, how that's going to work. And if they win, it's 2 p.m. on Friday. There we so are. So you might just not have much work to do. We have week. we have strong rooting interest in the <laughs> ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. Depending on what you're rooting for, there are strong rooting interests. Uh, not this upcoming week, but uh, but next down in uh, in Greensboro. Great snack selection at the ACC Women's okay. Basketball Tournament. They don't they don't skimp on the snacks or the hospitality down there, Tim. You shall you shall learn that in space. Jim Beheim's favorite city, as we know. As yeah. we know, I mean they they'll they'll hook you up with like the big box of M and M's. They're not gonna. Okay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There we'll we are. That to look forward to. Okay, so that's in a couple weeks. That's Tim. We'll, we'll chat with Tim tomorrow again about uh, something else. With that, we'll take a break. Speaking of bracketology, uh, Joel Lenardi scheduled to join us when we come back. We'll do that right after this. It's CuteSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.